Welcome to episode 559 of Troubadours and Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we feature our longest-running regular contributor, writer, satirist, baseball fan, Bruno Milo. Bruno talks with us from his place up the main line. We discuss waiting for baseball, God, being a born skeptic, drinking beer and never getting a hangover, the Roman Empire, ethics and professionalism, sensitivity, sensibility, self-indulgence, being pampered and spoiled, student loans, the best country in the world, his times tables, and Mrs. Kavanaugh, spring training, among other things, a grand conversation with Bruno Milo. We also feature the second installment of our associate producer, Dr. Michael Pavese's essay series, Fairy Tales for Slightly Depressed Adults. This piece is called Fred Who Takes Care of the Lawn. All of this, of course, will be infused, imbued with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It is so nice to be with you. Let's get to it then. Episode 559 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours.
station Watch the police and the tax man miss me Bruno. Hey. hey, my old friend E.W., how are you? Bruno Milo, is that you? It sure is. All right. It's so good to have you off the bench for us here on Troubadours and Rock On Tours. Bruno is a regular contributor. He's scheduled to be on in a couple of months. I think uh, the day after, or the week after uh, St. Patrick's Day, sometime in March. But... We had uh, someone bail on us last minute, and Bruno is a tried and true, excellent person off the bench. So he's in at last minute notice. He, he uh, agreed to take some time out of his schedule to be on the show today. But don't worry, you're going to hear him in March again as well. He is a writer, a satirist, and a baseball fan, among other things. And we're talking with him from his place up the main line. And uh, how you doing? I can't complain. <clears throat> Everything's good, you know. The holidays are over. Uh, I'm counting down to the days. You mentioned baseball. I'm counting down to the days till the season starts. So uh, it's almost there. Well, before that happens, we'll live through everything else. And so life is all right, you know. Every as they say, uh, every day above ground is a good one. So <laughs> every day above ground is a good one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, think about how that did not work for, or maybe it did for our coal mining ancestors here in the Northeast, right? Yeah, I'm sure. I don't think that's where, that's not where that comes from, that expression, as far as I know. But no. Uh, yes, I think a lot of times, especially this time of the year, they went many days without seeing daylight. So, um, anyway, that was not an easy existence. But speaking of someone who will lighten everyone's load, Ludovici, I uh, dropped by a little while ago. We had a cup of coffee, so. Oh, Ludovici was by. Hello. Excellent. Yeah, he dropped over and brought a special brand of, of sunshine, so. Oh, that only he could bring. That's true. Yeah, we have to have him on the show again. I haven't had him on in a while. He, he's been on a couple times. Um, yeah, Ludovici's a trip. We've known uh, yeah. we've known each other since we're like teenagers. Uh, this crew and uh, we still haven't really evolved much since those days. <laughs> There's no <laughs> doubt about that. No, <laughs> right? I mean, you I know. agree. Yes, uh, all you need is to be around us a little while, and you'll soon realize. So. <laughs> is that charming? You think, or is it re- like irritating? I wonder for people. For me, I like that's it. That's hard know? to say. Yeah, we all think it's charming, so. Uh, that's all that's really needed. Uh, but I don't know from an outsider perspective how it's always uh, perceived. So No, probably not. You're probably. the one who's married. Ask, ask the, the old lady. The old or lady? Yes, the missus. Yeah, yeah. yeah she, I'm sure she thinks I could be a little bit more uh, mature. 
uh, <laughs> I, I suppose. I don't know. I'm not sure. But I'll tell you one thing. It's good to have old friends because it keeps you centered. It keeps you rooted, you know, in a way to to some of the fundamental aspects of who you are as a person because they remind you uh, in, in a way. Um, as long as they're not people that keep you down or from growing as a, as an individual. And I don't think we're like that for each other. No, I don't think we know anybody like that. And when we do, we summarily execute them. So uh, that's why we only have a few friends left. Or the turn, you know, ready to get rid of them. We're supposed to keep that on the DL, you know. Oh, I know. Don't worry. No one's listening. Yeah, there are thousands. There are throngs of people. In Washington State right now, someone is writing this down and saying, oh, my God, I thought this was a healthy show. But Are you sure it's Washington State and not Washington, D.C.? So. Well, yes, it's. I know we have listeners in Washington. They're listening all the time. We ha- well, yeah, they listen, too. I, we have listeners in the Washington, D.C. area. We have, believe it or not, we have listeners across the continent, across the globe, uh, for sure. And I do believe it. I'm, I do believe. I believe that's true. I know. So what do you have to tell silent. these good people? What do you have to tell these people that are listening? There are people who listen on the continent of Africa to us, too. You know, I, I don't know how they get wind of a, uh, the show, but they do. What do you have to say to these folks? It must be the Internet. Uh, what do I have to say to them? Hello, global family. I don't really know. Uh, I did not come prepared. I must say that. So, well, yeah. Uh, this is on the. We're fly. all one interconnected world now. So, uh, all right. Let me just hit you with some of the the basic stuff. All right, of humanity. Okay. Do you believe in right. God? Do I? Yes. Uh, I mean, I have. I'm a born skeptic. I think. I have a problem believing that there's one grand uh, power controlling everyone's lives all the time, if that's what your idea of God is. Do I believe that there's a great force that somehow controls uh, and takes care of us after we die or has some kind of play in our life while we're alive? I have a hard time uh, intellectually believing that. But emotionally, the older I get, man, I want to believe it. I want to go run on green fields and uh, watch baseball games every day and drink beer and never get hungover. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, so I, it all depends on what your idea of heaven would be. And uh, so the worst notion for me is that whatever happens to you, not necessarily hell, um, so that would probably be horrible, I guess. But nothingness is more frightening to me than hell or another existence. Or I would rather think that my consciousness somehow goes on uh, than just, you know, there's boy, that's it. Uh, so I don't like that idea. But at the same time, I have a hard time, like I said, intellectually believing in anything else. So, Yeah, I think you're, <clears throat> in many ways, pretty typical uh, for those that are thinking individuals. Some people don't question uh, it, it, they just believe, you know, they have faith, so to speak, in the, in God, and they don't question yeah. it. But, you know, I, the nothingness thing you bring up, if there if there is nothingness, then you know you're not going to know because it's it's all done. So what's the what's the worry? You think you're going to be stuck consciously in nothingness, like your apartment? <laughs> no. <when you're... laughs> uh. Oh, You're already so. there, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, 
I don't know. Someone else asked me that question. It's just the idea of no longer existing at all and just exo- existence ending, and that's it, and abruptly in a way. Uh, yeah, I don't like that idea, so no. Uh, I like. I just don't want it to be that to be the truth. And I know there's nothing I can do about it, uh, and I can't change it. But I don't really want that. And if that's what happens, and that's what happens. But I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. But I uh, think about it every once in a while. So I will admit that. Well, I, I appreciate instead your... of some, my Roman Empire, I think about that. So. Instead of the what? Starting your own empire? My Roman Empire. My Roman Empire. Y- your Roman Empire. Yeah. Yes, apparently that's a big thing now. So I don't know. you got to exp- explain. What do you mean? Really? I don't know. I read about it some on the Yahoo or whatever. Uh, I don't know if it was trending, but a lot of men of a certain age, when they speak in idealistic terms, they talk or something, they talk about the Roman Empire as, uh, I can't think of the examples they used or what it would be. Uh, I wish I didn't mention it now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, you have no idea what the hell you're talking about. but I really don't know, so I'm going to stop. So, like, probably Western men who are Christian or something. Yes, Western men. Men in university. Men of in university u- age. Of university age. Yes. I don't even know what the hell that means. Now, what does that mean? Men well, in u- you know, well, I mean, there is a certain age where people usually go to college uh, from 18 to... 25 or whatever the typical so, age. So we're there not, may be people over that age that go, but the, the general student body is around that age. So. And that's the, that's the uh, demographic. You would know better than I, actually. So. Well, I, I thought, uh, yes. so we're not included in that. No. Because we're like, we're on the brink of senior citizens. We're older than that. Yeah. Damn, damn close, man. You keep it's, getting... Uh, but I feel about half the at age, so. Uh, I yeah. told Ludovici a little while ago, there's no way I feel my age, and I think uh, I haven't asked him, but my father is, believe it or not, older than I am. But I don't think that he feels his age either. He's in I his 90s. Yeah, he's 91, but I bet he does not feel it. I just have a feeling. No. And uh, I think that's a great thing, actually. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so the Roman Empire thing, we'll just mental, we'll just let that go. Was we, folks? Yeah, so let's edit that out. If you, I'm not editing it out. No, it's something compelling. If folks, if if you're listening and you know what the hell uh, Bruno's talking about, and you can help me understand, <laughs> ewconundrum at radiofreebrooklyn.org. Send me a message. Um, well, yeah, we are talking to Bruno Milo, Milo, writer, satirist, baseball fan. I asked him about God, and this is where we, we ended up in the Roman Empire for some reason. Um, <laughs> now, for many, it's the same thing, apparently. Yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess. Uh, you know, I want to hit you with what happened with, you know, why you're on the program and instead of waiting until March. Again, you'll be on in March. I know you don't want to lose that slot, and people don't want to. They, I get, I get messages from people. They enjoy listening to you. Uh, this is oh, just nice. I'm glad my mother is still emailing you. So, <laughs> but uh, no strangers, complete strangers. Um, uh, anyhow, <clears throat> what happened was there was this guest. I don't. I don't know, a writer or something. My associate producer sometimes gets guests, and sometimes I get guests. This is a guest that he was getting, and he's great. He gets me, Dr. Michael Pavis. He gets me some amazing guests. He was talking to the publicist. As soon as you know there's a publicist involved, oftentimes is <laughs> extra. Uh, headaches to, to yeah, deal so I with. I just fired mine. <laughs> yeah, that Ludovici uh, is your publicist, isn't he? Um, so anyway, well, yeah. 
this publicist suggested. No, I'm his. You're his publicist. Uh, yeah. This publicist for the guest I was supposed to have on today talked to Dr. Pavis, my associate producer, and said, you know, let's work this out now. So that was last Friday. Uh, Dr. Pavis sends me an email Saturday saying, get, get on it, connect with these people. I did on Saturday. Heard nothing on Sunday. Heard nothing on Monday. I sent an email to, to uh, the publicist. So did uh, Dr. Pavis. Nothing. And then Tuesday, I need to know what's going on. I got to get a show in for the week. <clears throat> so I, I send her an email, the publicist. And I basically said she's being unprofessional and she's ghosted us. And now you're leaving us hanging here. And she came back and said, I was being disrespectful to her and we should just go our separate ways. And I went back and said, again, unprofessional. Here we go on our separate ways. And that was it. Then I gave you a call. Was I, was I like uh, in the wrong based on the information I gave you? Don't think you're in the wrong. You have a right to know. I think uh, someone's going to not be able to make it. They usually get a reason, I guess, whether it's being sick or the conflict in their schedule or not to call, I think, is very unprofessional and not to give any word at all and just not to uh, let somebody know what's going on. No, I would. I think that's unprofessional on their part. And uh, I don't know if this person is an entertainer or uh, an author. or It's obviously somebody who must have some success because they have a publicist. So. Right. Um, I was just so, th- like I said, I, I agree that their my opinion I know you, and I'm going to take your side, and I'll say that you have a little bit of a temper sometimes. So, <laughs> what? Saying, what do you mean, man? <laughs> I'm just saying, and I'm not. I don't know. If that's what happened, but I think, like I said, in a different degree, everybody goes through dealing with people who they work with in different degrees of professionalism, depending on what you do. So, uh, like, I think that they should have told you if they they had a conflict or couldn't make it right away. Hey. We won't be able to do it. Right. And if you wanted to reschedule. Right. But they had an obligation, I think, to let you know. Yes, you shouldn't have to contact them and say, are you coming? Are you going to show up or whatever? So, well, that, um, they, no, I agree with you. So I appreciate that. And, I, you know, the the behavior that you experience, only the people closest to me experience that behavior. I am much so better sure, behaved. Yes, I know you're professional. Yes, I'm much better behaved with the outside world. Um, you know, you're always, you're always the toughest on the ones that you love, right? And the ones you're closest to, I think. Uh, so yeah, it was all very professional. And, and, uh, this person basically told Dr. Pavis that I should contact them so we can work this out. And I did. And they just left me blowing in the wind. So anyway, uh, did you like that last line? I said, here we go on our separate ways. (laughs) I thought that yeah, was a I good think one. it's a good idea. So, uh, I don't know if this person was a special guest or if there's somebody who does it all the time. No, no, a special um, guest, special guest. Uh, so I didn't even. Well, then, yeah, I would. Don't worry about it. Go your separate ways is a great idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. So, am I absolved? Of all right, my... I never had anything against you. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I uh, hurt your career or anything. I think it's something that happens. Like I said, if those people had a conflict or uh, decided they were sick or whatever, they had an obligation, in my opinion, I'm not just saying this, to contact you. Uh, the publicist, certainly, isn't that part of their job, so... Well, you know what I started thinking about, too? Like, I did say unprofessional. That's all I did. I didn't say anything nasty. Just un- unprofessional. That was why... Yeah, uh, that's not a bad thing to say. No, no. but she Unless was disrespectful. with a, a rotten adjective. I, but I did not. I did, I did not. Okay. Uh, the, the thing, though, I started thinking about afterward, after the email exchange, was maybe this human, this person, was going through something tough... 
in their lives. You know, maybe a parent died or maybe someone real close to them got sick or or whatever. And and they just got overwhelmed with that. And now I'm throwing a nasty email about, in you know, comparison, something not nearly as important. And I'm being an insensitive uh, sort of individual in the larger world who's making her hurt even worse. Is that silly for me to think? Yeah, I think you're presuming a lot. You don't really know. Maybe she's just an incompetent so-and-so who does this all the time. So, uh, again, I don't know the circumstances altogether or what her circumstances are, certainly. But, I mean, again, I don't. even if your parents did die, if you're still going to work, then you have some kind of obligation to be able to separate whatever happened in your personal life from your job. And it's not that hard to make a phone call. Well, it's not uh, even a phone. It was an day. email. It was an email. Or it's an email. Easy. It's well, that's even easier, I guess. Right. So, uh, yeah. that's not difficult. And if you're doing your job, you should be able to do it. And I'm sorry, whatever personal thing you're going through, but if you're going to be again, I keep using the word professional. But if you're going to do it, then do your job and stop whining about it and whine when you go home or take ten minutes to cry or whatever. But when you have to do something, do it and. Uh, this is coming from somebody who is a great procrastinator. So, Well, you know, it's interesting, Bruno. Uh, you know, you and I come from, uh, well, we're from different generations, actually, but very close. You're a very young boomer, and I'm a very old Xer. You're at the tail end of the boom, boomer generation, and I'm at the very beginning of the Xer genera- X generation. But given, I don't know how old this person is. I have no clue. But I automatically wonder generationally, you know, I think, and this is going to upset some people, but I think it's a fair thing to say. Well, at least it's what I think. And you could do with it what you like. There are some younger generations that in general, not totally, they're a little self-absorbed and a little so too sensitive. And, you know, you and I come from, I think, a generation, generally speaking, where you know, you don't whine. You do what you need to do. You have, be responsible. You're not going to be easily disrespected. You know, you can handle a criticism. You can handle a little pushback. I wonder if this person is from one of those younger generations than us that has those lesser sort of tendencies as I look at them. You know, too sensitive and too self-indulgent. Do you know what I'm talking well, about? To, yes, I Definitely think I do. I have this discussion sort of at a different degree with someone quite often about some of the things that are going on in society today. And yes, I think that there's a a generational thing. And I think the generation that my sister's children are in, uh, yours and the last generation are, I hate to use these words, but kind of pampered, a little selfish. I'm not selfish, but you said self-absorbed. I believe that's true. Uh, and are used to, and I'm going to, uh, spoiled for lack of a better word, uh, used to get in their own way. And when they don't, they don't like it. And there are certain things in the world. Uh, one thing I need as an example, sort of is student loans. Uh, Uh you've had them. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I've had them. Uh, I'm going to sound like a real duffer, a real old, old man here. But I think people should pay them back. Uh, I took me a long time. I had many deferments. and uh, But the government or whoever had my loan at the time had many banks that held the loan, too, over the course of my loans. But I don't feel that it's a great 
uh, maybe for some people it's more of a, a problem for others. For myself, at times it was, and that's when I took deferments, and they're available if you find them. And basically all I really had to do was ask. Uh, and they certainly give them to you when you're not working. But uh, to say that I'm not going to pay it back or I shouldn't have to pay it back because uh, there was COVID, that to me is not a great reason. And I just think that in a time where uh, there's – in politics in particular, people are obsessed with the idea of a debt. Uh, the idea that the government is bringing in some kind of revenue some way is a good idea. Um, and maybe it's needed. There's no doubt it's needed. But we have lots of revenue streams. But I have no. I think that the idea of forgiving student loans as a whole is just a bad idea. I just think it is. Because they're not being responsible? No, not because, or, be, well, not, well, sort of. Uh, or is it because you want that money going back into our coffers? I believe it should, if that's what, I believe it should go back in, yes. And I'm not demanding that it goes back in tomorrow, but I believe it's owed to us. Um, so, I'm, uh, the idea that it should all be forgiven because times are tough or you're having a hard time when there's a lot of jobs out there. Uh, yeah, you can't pay, like I said, I, through all the banks and all the different loans, and there were many, I don't know how many over the course of the loan I had, different banks there were, but I never had a problem. They were pretty understanding, if I remember. Uh, it may have taken a long time to get to people, but when I did, like I said, I don't know how many deferments I had, but there were several. Over So I but, think people that have those loans will work with you. But you, but you, when, you get to, when you get the deferments, you end up... They don't mind the banks because you end up having to pay more. <laughs> you know, you're like borrowing on top of that because your interest is still going, is accruing, or what have you. That's true, but well, here, here's the thing. I mean, I hear, I hear you. I think we got boned in a way, especially. Well, let me ask you this: if if we're talking about loans from the government, that's one thing. But what about loans from a private bank that you use for school? Uh, you know. No, to me, it's the same thing. So you're just talking about federal federal uh, loans or loans that I'm are I'm talking about if you had loans out for when you went to school and now you're, they've come due or whatever, you're paying them back, you should have to pay them back and they shouldn't be forgiven as some kind of national favor to you. Because you weren't forgiven? And if they, you didn't no, get it, it they don't get it? No, it ha no, it has nothing to do with that. No. And I'm leaving my I'm not involved. I paid my loans back. It's not right because you borrowed the money in the first place. Why should it be forgiven? Why shouldn't they have to pay it back? I, well, OK, I'll hit you with a couple of things. Uh, um, number one, college is 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 obscenely uh, overpriced. Number one, and it and it it wasn't as high priced when we were going to school, though it was still significant when we were going to school. Generation before us, it might have been more reasonable, but uh, I'm not sure of that either. It's high, it's overpriced, and and uh, people when they're young, they don't understand, and they go into deep debt, and now they're basically stuck in a class that the class that gave them the loans, who was much higher than them economically is able now to keep them down in that class, in my view, because they, they have this huge debt over them. Uh, and I, I, I don't think that benefits the economy 
I don't think that benefits society either because people are then maybe stuck in jobs if they want to pay their loans back that they wouldn't stay in otherwise. They do it just because they need to, you know, that, that higher check that they would have. Whereas if, you know, to pay the loan and the rest of their expenses, whereas if they had freedom because they didn't have that low loan, maybe they'd be more creative with what they did uh, in their in their life, in their job. Uh, they they come up with new inventions or whatever. They're kind of stuck you know, as as a, as a drone in a way in the system, and early on they uh, are are brought into that system via this loan, this debt. So I think if you forgive it, then you're freeing people, and maybe that freedom will translate into greater production from individuals uh, because they'll be able to 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 be more um, I don't know uh, able. To, to pursue whatever they they really want to and and they'll be able uh, to be more uh, even the, the fluidity of their money out of their pocket will go back into the economy because they'll have more money to buy stuff as well well you don't know what's going to happen to the economy over time for one thing how it's going to fluctuate and part of the reason people are having a harder time paying back their loans is the standard of living, which fluctuates as well. It can go down. Prices of things that are inflated now are going to go down eventually. I don't know how long inflation will last. Uh, Student loans don't come due usually in a year or two years. There's a period of time, uh, depends on the loan that people have to pay it over. Some are 20 years, some are 10 years. Sometimes they can be extended, and whether the uh, interest occurs during that time or not, you still have time to pay things off. Uh, you're not necessarily going to be forced into bankruptcy. Uh, I think the idea, you're presuming a lot of what, what will happen with people, what they'll do with their money and how things will work out. And, uh, and some of it is uh, very, you know, idealistic thinking of that uh, the world will become a much better place because these people won't have to pay back their loans. I'm not sure what will happen to people who, when they don't pay back their loans, what they'll do with the money they have. We don't, no one knows, including no. the people who have the money. So, uh, but we'll see. I'm not saying they, good things won't happen. Perhaps they will. It's nice to think that they will. But don't, don't you uh, think a lot of times the things that we think will happen don't happen that way? Well, that's true. But I mean, I'm just going by what I've experienced and, you know, learned about human behavior based on history. Uh, and empirical data too, just observation. Like what? What evidence tells you that that's what's going to happen? Well, when people are free to explore their their ideas and their ambitions, uh, usually they will. And and when when they're doing when a person is doing something that they uh, believe in that they're inspired by, it's going to be some good. Outcomes that whether it be a social program, an invention, uh, arts, uh, some sort of engineering design, but when that's just human nature, in my view, and and also again, if you have extra cash in your pocket, if you're not filthy, stinking rich, uh, but you have some extra money in your pocket, you're more likely to spend it on items that could help small businesses. 
uh, you know, be a more economically sound and also give people, you know, a, a higher quality of life. They can go on more vacations. They can spend more time with family. They don't have to work that extra job to pay off this overpriced educational loan that the bank is making tons of money off of. I just think it, you know, it, it makes sense based on how, how humans behave when they're given more freedom uh, it, with regard to how they think and, and with regard to how, they, how much money they have to spend. Well, I don't believe people are placed in shackles because they have to pay back their student loans. I, I think they, they are. Have, well, that's what you think. I don't. I do. It's just like uh, health care, too. The fact that health care is something that's not universal, right? That keeps people, in, as you put it, shackles, in, in my opinion, staying in no, jobs. you're pretty much the one who said that. I don't, I don't agree that student loans do that to people. No, no. I use the word shackles. You're right. I'm saying it. I'll, I'll own that. Yeah. I think no, it is, no, it is a shackle. Well, I don't. I well, don't agree that it's a check. I think you can still do a lot of things you stay and still have a student loan. Uh, things are relative. Uh, and you presume a lot of great things are going to happen without any real evidence of it. Well, um, yeah. So I don't know that there's going to be another re- renaissance because uh, Joey doesn't have to pay his loan back. We don't have any guarantee of what he's going to do with his money. Well, uh, so some people it doesn't mean he's going to invent a new technology or... Or be the Ben Franklin. We don't. We don't. I'm just. I, that, so. That's. You're right. I don't know for sure, but I. I that's what I believe it would happen. And you know, you talk well, about very uh, I mean, that's very, very. I mean, it just is pie in the sky kind of thing. I don't think it's pie in the sky. I think I know enough I know about. You don't, but I, some people it might sound that way. I think I know enough about human nature and behavior from my experience and my studies that, that it's that's a reasonable expectation. Um, and by, by no, the way, what about people that? don't even go to college because they don't want to get into debt. That's a whole other group we're not even talking about that, you know, maybe would like to go to college, maybe would would like to have the opportunity to, to learn more about a specific subject area and get a degree so that they have more um, access to, to higher paying, uh, you know, higher quality jobs. They don't even go there because they don't want to deal with the loans. It's, well, it dissuades people. Who's going to pay for this stuff where everybody's going to school? I mean, someone's going to have to pay for it. Well, uh, well yeah. The taxpayers, I mean. Well, you spread it, it out, it's yeah. It's not going to be free. I mean, no, you spread it out. Who's going to pay for it? You spread it out over 345 million people. Yeah. Oh, and, and, okay. and that's our society. That's our community. Uh, we, we, we take care We're of education. We, 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 uh, but education is already extensively we, funded in a lot of ways. Uh, I keep hearing how public schools are underfunded. I'd like to know how much is enough funding. Uh, this Graves School District right now is funded at about $9,000 per student. Uh, which one is that? I think this Graves School District, yeah. uh, which people consider underfunded. They just got about $60 million in the last budget on top of what they were already getting, which is now well over $100 million a year. And to hear that they're still underfunded to some people is very surprising, and to a lot of taxpayers, it's very surprising. So, and that's coming from largely from uh, property tax, right? I suppose, yeah. Yeah. Well, so the people but it's are also coming from other sources too. It's not all coming from property taxes, but the majority. Yeah, it's all it, basically though. It comes from taxes somewhere, whether state taxes, oh, federal taxes. from taxes. Yeah. Yes, it's all tax money. Yes. Yeah. Well, every but... penny is tax money. Right, but largely the way it works around you know in Pennsylvania is is uh, is is property tax um, for public schools. 
So that puts a burden on folks for sure. Um, I, I, I understand where you're coming from. You know, you're you're more of a physical conservative than I am. You know, I think well, a real call what you want. Uh, somebody's going to have to pay for these things. So, but why don't we all pay for it? You know, why? why We're already paying for all of this. Everyone in the state who pays some kind of taxes is paying for it. Everyone who owns a property is paying for it. Uh, we are paying for it. People that pay their taxes are paying for everything right now. Some yeah. don't want to pay any more, and maybe some don't pay enough. But, but people are paying. Why are we one of the only, if not the only, Western ec- economy, uh, you know, industrialized nation that doesn't have... Uh, a, a more equitable uh, university system for its citizens. Why are we the only uh, industrialized Western economy that doesn't have some some significant semblance of national health care? So people don't well, need to worry about their, in a way, uh, their health needs. Security pays for a lot of people's health insurance and pays for a lot of their livelihood we do have some systems that keep us we do and they work great social security is a great thing and that is total socialism welfare and uh medicaid and medicare and so there are government systems that are in place that may not be europe or every the government pays for every penny but there are systems in place where some people who don't have a lot of money don't have to pay that much either right right but the middle class they don't get enough of it you know you got to either be like poverty stricken at the lowest level to get something which is not enough either but it's something you'll get or if you're really rich you know you're you're good to go but the the vast majority of us are in between that and the, and we don't get as much as we could and as much as we should i think um we we uh you know we we call ourselves the best country in the world you know and but again, you know, and this is kind of that broadcast news show or whatever, I think, on HBO. It's a little skit from that. You see, it's a meme. If you look at statistics, some of the important statistics, like infant mortality rates and incarceration rates and disparity between uh, paychecks, we are not in, in, in the best parts of those lists. We're not at the top or well, the, or the I mean, bottom. They're... That's not always a fair way to judge it, because a lot of those countries are smaller than we are. True. Um, Good point. And they have either less money or more money than we do. Uh, The infant mortality thing can be skewed, too, because of the way people have children in this country. And it's actually when COVID affected the infant mortality rate in the last few years. Yeah, but it was like that uh, before COVID. Well, I mean, that's um, partly, I guess, that it's also has something to do with the secrecy around or whatever the taboos around pregnancies or whatever it is there's something else going on besides just healthcare in my opinion is why uh it's higher than other countries but i i don't really know that's just my opinion um oh you're not one so, of those vaccination guys anti-vax guys are you no and i don't understand people i got my vaccinations but i'm uh, i've had enough of them and to tell you the truth i believe uh that i'm not i would i've had covid twice and i'm not afraid to get it again i believe that it's kind of tough to get really sick because i believe there is herd immunity that uh something like i guess i don't really know what the number is now because there's not a scoreboard in the paper every day telling me how people have covid uh 
but the last time I heard it was like 80 million. So I'm going to say if it's twice that now. Uh, that's a lot of people in more than half the country, or almost half the country. So really, that many people I don't have COVID. Got sick. I'm got that's my extrapolation. I don't really know. I'm guessing. Uh, the last time I heard it was around 80 million, and to tell you the truth, that was two two years ago. And, uh, and what makes you think it so, doubled? Because it was two years ago, and people are still getting it. And uh, just because you get it doesn't mean you're going to die. And like, uh, I don't know. I don't can't do the math in my head, and I really don't have any math. No, you're, you're you're like I'm a, just guessing. You don't. No, you're a writer, and a, and you're you're. Uh, um... I know my times tables, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, seven times eight. Fifty-six. All right, excellent. Who taught you that? Who taught your times tables to you? You really want to know? Yeah. My second grade teacher, as a punishment, Mrs. Kavanaugh. Uh, for speaking in class or acting up in class, I know it's hard to believe. <laughs> I would have to do my timetables, my one to ten times tables, ten times each every night. And I have to give them to her in the morning. That's awesome. I was terrified. Let me just say as an aside, I was terrified of Mr. Kavanaugh. Mrs. Kavanaugh or Mr.? Mrs. Kavanaugh, yes, Mrs. Because there's a yeah, Mr. Kavanaugh, was- too. Oh, no, not him. I don't think they were related. No? Um, they were totally different kind of teachers. Uh, she was an actual teacher, but she had a temper. She really did. She would she threw second graders out of class, and uh, she had uh, some, I don't know what you're called. She was, I guess, you know, a chubby woman. She was into her 60s probably, and she would lose her temper, and she would take her hands and beat them on the chalkboard. I still have a very vivid, and her arms would shake, her, like, biceps. Wow. And for some reason, as a second grader, I was really scared of that. I was like, I've never seen any arms do that before. And she, she must have been born like in the 1920s or something, or the teens. Yes. yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, she, like I said, she was in her 60s. So yeah, that's pretty but cool. That was at George Washington. I've never forgotten her, but yeah. George Washington was Elementary? I did them every night. Yes. Yeah. All right. So well, every, every night. My parents were very proud. That's great. Look how hard he's working, they say. He loved his time table. They didn't know that you, it was punishment, I guess. No, they didn't know. <laughs> Ah, Bruno Milo, it's always a pleasure talking with you on Troubadours and Rock on Tours. Uh, Bruno's, he's he's a a regular contributor, a longest running regular contributor, I might add. He's a writer, a satirist, a baseball fan, among other things. We're just about done with time this go-around. I think we solve no problems. We understand, though, that you you are now, you are Ludovici's publicist, which is nice, and we'll have to get him on the show. Um, He'll be on, he should be on soon, we'll have to talk. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, work something out there. Uh, the, people, do, do, do you want to share any thoughts with the masses before we say uh, Alvita Zane? Um, I don't have any particular uh, thoughts, pearls of wisdom. I know that's strange to hear. Uh, I'll just say that I am looking very forward to the baseball season, counting it down. Uh, for the Philly fans out there, their pitcher catcher day, when the reporting day. It's February 14th. Wow. which Valentine's since, Day. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a mere, what is today? The 23rd? Today's the 24th. 24th. Of oh, January right. as we you speak. You know what? That's only 21 days from now. It's a struggle for him, folks, every year to get from <laughs> the World Series to uh, spring training. It really is. I've known him forever. And <laughs> you're almost there, Bruno. You're almost yep, I'm there. I'm almost there. It'll be soon. Like I said, three weeks or so. But uh, my team, 
uh, actually subtracted during the off season. So I uh, expect them to win about thirty eight games next year. So. What, what What do you mean they subtracted? Well, they get they let players go for free agency, or they traded them away, or uh, and they signed no one. The the uh, Bosox. They still have a few free agents, yes, that they haven't signed, and I think are still out there. But uh, we'll see. There, it's a team of guys who are, haven't played much in the major leagues, as far as I know. They have a couple pitchers, but like I said, if they win thirty eight games, I'll be ecstatic. Thirty eight, jeez, out of one hundred and sixty something. An arbitrary number, yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't expect them to be very good. I'll just say that. So they could be surprise me, and it would be a shock. Well, you know what I have to say to that. Go Yankees. What's that? Yeah, well, I don't know if you're following them. I'm probably holding you up. But they have signed a lot of people. They spent about $7 billion on the offseason, so yeah. not so far. That's not a guarantee that they'll have a great team. It's about chemistry and coaching, too. No, it too. really isn't, no. Yeah, yeah. But uh, baseball teams don't seem to think that way. And I'm sure you heard about Shoei and uh, the other guy from Japan and yep. the Dodgers. The Dodgers, I mean, I never hated the Dodgers before, but I do now. Why? Because it's just obscene how much money they spend. Uh, uh, they were much better off. They were much better off when they were in Brooklyn. <laughs> well, them bums. Uh, I, I met, they won as many World Series. I'll say that. Yeah, the bums. You're right. The bums of Brooklyn. Well, sir, I I look forward to talking to you in March, and uh, we could talk some more about baseball and whatever else is on your mind. Uh, again, thank you for spending time with us this afternoon on Troubadours and Rock On Tours. I certainly enjoy it. Thanks for giving me the chance, and uh, we'll have to be staying in touch. For sure. Later days, as you say. Oh, later days. Snow Fills the fields we used to know And the little park where we would go Sleeps far below In the snow It's all over and you're gone But the memory lives on Although Our dreams lie buried In the snow Sometimes the wind blows through the trees And I think I hear you calling me But all I see is snow Everywhere I go As the cold winter sun sinks low 
Fred, who takes care of the lawn. Once upon a time, there was a sad man named Fred who lived in a suburb. He was sad because he lost his job months ago, restructuring his department, his boss said, although Fred knew that he was simply too old and too expensive and no longer needed by the corporation. So he accepted a modest buyout and resigned himself to early retirement. Without a job, Fred was lost. He woke early, had his breakfast, a banana and grape nuts, scanned the obituaries in the local paper, and then... then what? He could watch TV shows from his past, but the commercials for reverse mortgages and class action lawsuits and medical alerts and adult diapers depressed him, as did, come to think of it, the TV shows from his past. The past itself depressed him. What happened to all those years, he wondered. One day he decided to go for a walk in his neighborhood, rather than sitting in front of his TV and ruminating on the past. He walked by his neighbor's neat-as-a-pin lawns, lawn after lawn after lawn, then, a few blocks from his home, he came upon a house that looked abandoned, an odd sight in his neighborhood. The house needed a paint job. There was a couch on the front porch. You could barely see the for sale sign because the grass on the front lawn was so high. That lawn needs cutting, Fred thought to himself. Inspired, he trotted back home, put his lawnmower in the trunk of his car, and returned to the seemingly abandoned house. He would tame this wild lawn. This was a rash and unreasonable act, Fred knew. But he had lived a long, reasonable life, and he needed this rash act as much as the lawn needed cutting. Fred looked around to see if any of the neighbors were peering through their windows. All was quiet on the suburban street. Everyone was at work. Everyone except Fred. He started mowing the lawn. He had mowed a small patch of the long grass when he thought he'd heard voices. Stop! Loser! Everybody dies. Fred turned off the mower, looked around, shook his head, and started mowing again. Hey, hey, hey! He heard. Jerk! Rude! The voices multiplied. He turned off the mower and yelled, What the? Looking down, he saw tiny winged creatures, smaller than hummingbirds. We are the lawn sprites, they shrieked. Yeah, I'm Fred. Get out of this lawn. I'm cutting it. We have frolicked here since time immemorial. You have not. One of the sprites chuckled. Yeah, you're right. We're just messing with you, loser. We've only been here since last Thursday. Stop calling me loser. Stop cutting the lawn. Make me. The sprites chanted, Loser, loser, loser. Lawn, lawn, lawn. 
Fred gave up, went home, and stewed. The next day, when he tried to mow the lawn, the sprites buzzed around his head and hurled abuse at him. Why do you torture me? he cried. Why, indeed, they replied. The next day, Fred stopped at a shady mulch salesman at the edge of the suburb. The man dealt in illegal lawn care substances, deadly chemicals guaranteed to kill the hardiest of weeds. Fred drove to the seemingly abandoned house, spread the chemicals on the lawn, and listened to the howls of the lawn sprites. Why do you torture us? they cried. Why, indeed, Fred replied with grim satisfaction. Good one, gasped a sprite as he expired. A cloud of chemicals and flapping wings arose above the lawn. Some sprites escaped, and some did not. Everyone dies, Fred said to himself. He drove away and never returned. Fred's neighbors see him now and then, shuffling through the suburban streets at night, glassy-eyed and guilty, hearing voices no one else hears.
And there you have it. Episode 559 of Troubadours and Rock-On Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, our good friend, Bruno Milo, our associate producer and essayist, Dr. Michael Pavise, and these musical artists, Thelonious Monk, The Who, Harry Nilsson, Rodriguez, Brentford Mar Salas, and Terence Blanchard, too. And of course, I would like to thank you for listening. Until next time, let's give it a go and do our best with this time. Take care of yourself. Yeah.